Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Fred here with the Steel Maze Nation podcast coming at you with another interview that I did with Coach Greg Morris out of Texas. He is a uh, performance coach, basically, for uh, he trains a lot of young people, high school, uh, college, and uh, track and field stuff, right? So there's basketball players, soccer players, and uh, runners. And he says that he uses the steel clubs to help his athletes run better. I thought that that was valuable information, really interesting stuff. So we got into that a little bit, and I want you guys to hear it too, so stay tuned for that. Um, he's the underground athlete on Instagram, so follow, please, and uh, you know, send him a shout-out that you saw him on the podcast. He'll appreciate that. And um, before we get to the podcast, I just want to give a shout-out to my two sponsors. One of them has been with this podcast for pretty much since the beginning, and the other one's a new sponsor. So let's start off with the new guy. Let's welcome in Freedom Strength Company, Freedom Strength Co. on Instagram. Uh, out of Pennsylvania, they make sandbags and weight vests, and they sent me a 50-pound sandbag. I'm really psyched to have that uh, with me because I throw that in my truck, and it's going to be part of my steel mace, unconventional training, uh, personal training that I'm going to be doing on the beach. I'm psyched to do. Now that uh, COVID is over and everything like that, I've, I've picked up a lot more clients, and they all want to train on the beach. They want to get out in the sunshine, and um, we're going to be throwing sand around, and we're going to be swinging maces and clubs so uh freedomstrength.us is the website if you go there you can see everything that they got like i said i just picked up the 50 pound sandbag and i'm you know gonna be using it frequently so make sure you follow my instagram you can see what i'm doing with it and how i use it with steel maces and stuff like that and of course addicts mace and clubs go to addictsclub.com uh, longtime sponsor uh, out of Florida, United States made awesome technology. It's adjustable maces and clubs. You can't beat it, guys. You really can't do the math. I think everybody gets sticker shock when they first uh, go to the website and they see, oh, steel mace for $300. It's not a mace. It's from six pounds up to 30 pounds. It's if you actually bought each individual mace, it would cost you more than it would if you just buy, make this one purchase. But you got to see, if you haven't checked them out yet, you got to see what they got. They got uh, clubs, mace, and then in between, you got the Adex Arc. So really awesome, high-quality products. I've been using them for a while, and I stand by them. I think they're terrific. So, and then last, guys, before we go, uh, just check out steelmacenation.com, if you will. Uh, the $99 Steel Mace Workshop is there for you. You can learn everything Steel Mace. If you're new and you haven't really figured it out yet, check that out. It'll, uh, it'll be a great companion. Download it. Operate off of it. It's yours to keep once it's uh, downloaded and have fun with it. And of course, I'm always accessible. You can DM me or, or email me, uh, ask me any questions. Uh, maybe I can direct you to videos and stuff like that. So thanks for doing that. And thanks for tuning into the podcast. Let's get to the interview.
do that. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation. Today, I am having an interview with Greg Morris, uh, who is the underground athlete on Instagram. You could check the underground athlete. Uh, follow him over there. Um, Greg actually made a comment on one of my posts. He said, I just got done watching your podcast and then you're doing this or that. And I said, oh, well, come on the podcast. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming on, but also thank you for being a, a participant and watching the podcast and listening and everything. How long have you been following it for? Um, quite some time on and off. I don't, I don't hit up. Um, I don't hear every episode cause I just kind of go through my feed, but whenever I catch it on there, I'd always try to grab it. I've been a fan. You interviewed my buddy, Johnny quite some time ago. Um, he was, I think at the time it was, um, Johnny the Spartan or something like that. Johnny, um, Jonathan Morris is his name. Really? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Yeah. So where do you live in Texas? We live in Texas. We live in okay. San Antonio. Now. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. So that's how you you found out about the podcast? No, no. I was listening to it well before that. Also. Oh no, kidding! Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the Steel Mace, the Steel Clubs, the unconventional training, anything with that. I try to gravitate to when you know get the information, support the people that are players in it, yeah. and all that fun stuff. All right, so you're a um, you're in Texas. Where in Texas are you? We're outside of San Antonio in a little suburb called Universal City. Okay, and you're a coach. I um, I'm I'm a speed and agility coach. I primarily most of my training focuses on kids and your traditional field and court sports. Um, I train a lot of soccer players, basketball players, and volleyball players. I do a lot of general fitness, but um, I do a lot of also people coming back from chronic injury, torn ACLs and stuff like that. I catch them at the end of their physical therapy and get them back to the field of the court faster, stronger, healthier. Oh, that's awesome. So I got a lot of good questions to ask you. And I'm assuming because since you're a fan of Steel Mace and Steel Clubs, that you're incorporating that modality into everything you just talked about. Kids uh, at doing athletics and basically people uh, physically rehabbing from injury, right? Yes, absolutely. Oh, this is perfect. I didn't even know that, man. If I had known that, I would have had you on even sooner. But I um, should have said something a long time ago. Right. Yeah, no, because um, I've done a few podcasts where um, people have talked about using them for physical therapy. Um, and basically, you know, with kids and doing athletics, a lot of people don't don't see – how steel mace and steel clubs really parlays into at the athletic movements. But why don't you tell us how it does and why it does and what's so special well, about it? I'll start with how I got into it because that's going to contribute to what I want to get to in the point. Um, I got into it years ago. I like about 13, 14 years ago, I slipped my um, L5 and my spine moved a little bit. It took a long recovery shortly, about two months later, my first day back of activity, I got to a cycling accident. I dislocated my shoulder, tore my AC joint. And so for a long period of time, I got back to where I was functional. I was pretty healthy, but I constantly had setbacks. I'm out for a week because my shoulders bother me or my back or my hip is bothering me. And it just took a toll. I'm 46 right now. And so um, I was trying to like, you know, just get into better shape. I was trying to overcome these injuries that have been haunting me for over a decade at this point or close to a decade. And so the first thing was my shoulder. I just kept having problems with it. So I started looking around and I found the steel base. 
Um, me and Johnny, we got a couple of them. We just started doing the basic 360s. Fell in love with it. I mean, instantly we saw the benefits, right? Shoulders feeling better, you know, a little bit broader. Arms getting a little bit bigger. Grip got better. And so we brought Mr. Mace Man, Rick Brown, down to our gym. And we held a, a certification with him and Eric Doyle. It was a wonderful success. It was a great situation. Um, got more into it. I started messing around with the steel clubs shortly before they got there and really fell in love with the clubs. The clubs kind of speak to me more so as a tool. And we got into Bulgarian bags. And I mean, I've always been into kettlebells and other stuff like that. Um, we started really getting into the tack fit system and, you know, going through all that stuff right there. So now back to what I do. The thing about moving in sports is, is that most people never train side to side when they train, like when they train people, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks you're going to take your, your soccer player, your basketball player, your whoever, your football player, and you're going to have them do some barbell squats and some deadlifts. You know, but a lot of these people, first of all, their goal is never really to add size. They want to add strength and function. Um, whenever you're using a mace or a club or a Bulgarian bag, you have to do a lot of resisting the forces, right? As you know, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like, for example, just like a basic with the club, just the basic side to side swing, like a TikTok type swing, you're constantly counterbalancing the club, right? right? Which automatically puts your lower body into the same position you do when you change direction. Like when you're trying to do agility training, it's the same thing you do with the clubs, right? right? So much of running, so much of all this other stuff, it's not rotation, but it's counter rotation. And using the club to work on your ability to resist forces automatically is going to work on your counter rotation. Therefore, it's going to help you with your sprinting, your jumping, your change of direction. Um, the basic, like the basic, a lot of your, the, the way you swing a club bell, the way you swing a kettlebell, you're basically going into triple joint extension. You're just not getting your feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing as jumping or the same thing as, you know, running, just running time one leg at a time, not two. So to me, this automatically translates. Um, research suggests that the kids who have the strongest upper back rear delt area, basically the kids who can do the most pull-ups tend to be your fastest sprinters. And the steel clubs and steel maces automatically targets those exact shoulders because without good arm drive, your legs are going to slow down, right? Your arms have to keep pace with your legs. Otherwise, it's going to slow your legs down. They work together. And so because of that, automatically anything working with the clubs and the bases on the, you know, moving the shoulders around, it's going to strengthen up the way the arm works and you're going to run faster because of that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because if you're sprinting, you're, you're not sprinting with anything in your hands. It's just this. So yeah. what you're doing is you're taking the athlete and you're saying, all right, forget about the running part right now. Let's just focus up here. But you're putting 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds in their hands and they're doing these movements, which, yeah. which because it's the added weight, it's strengthening those, those upper back areas. Yeah. Um, can you just briefly dive into exactly what, why that is? Why is it that you're, you need that strength up there? I know you just said so your arms can keep up, but well, go into it a little bit more. If you go into, I'm sure you're familiar with the, 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 the fascial slings. You have basically like your body forms an X. And yes. so the top of this hand goes down to the bottom of the opposite foot, whatever, however that works. Right. Um, and so – because of that right there, I mean, everything has to work together. But have you ever, like, watched somebody try to run in handcuffs? 
or just yeah. run with your arms by the side. I, I actually have a video of myself running in handcuffs from the cops, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Right? Um, but yeah, but with that, you know, without the ability of your arms to counteract, it's just the way our bodies work. And yeah. so often we will work on our legs. Our legs are so much stronger than our arms. Um, and, you know, but it's like, I think my belief is, and this is not, you know, something I've studied up on or read, this is something I've observed. It's just the fact that having a good, strong, coordinated arm drive, it just drives, your arms drive the legs. Like you ever listen to like marathon runners, when their legs get tired, they pump their arms harder because it keeps the legs going. Oh, uh, wow. I never even, I never even knew that. And that's awesome because when their legs get tired, they get these little reserve engines up here. Yeah. You just start pumping them harder, you know. I mean, all my athletes, when we do our conditioning, is I do the same thing. I don't care if your legs are tired. Drive your arms harder. And it always seems to get – I mean, maybe just distracts them from the legs because they're focusing on their little arms. But yeah. um, whatever it is, it always seems to get them over the hump for that move right there. But also, I'm just a believer that the body – you know, our body functions when it's all in balance and as a machine. And there's not near enough training that gets us in the right positions. Um, the outside or in a club mill – yeah, I mean, it's my favorite move of all time. Right yeah, now. my my too. Yeah, um, and, and it just take, if you think about it, we're just taking our our shoulder through its a full natural range of motion. Yeah, right. Um, and having our body basically greasing the joints up, making them function better, making them function properly. You take away because the whole body's connected together. You start taking away these little these these locks, these blocks that keep the body from moving. And as you take those out of the entire body, I just believe it functions better. Yeah, that's a good point. And you just said earlier that um, strength, most people don't, or athletes, soccer players, they don't necessarily want size. They want strength and function. Yeah. But it, even if you're a person who wants size, if you lack strength and function, how are you going to get to size? So Absolutely. really strength and function is pivotal for anything that you want to do. Yeah. I'm a believer that um, when people always talk about, like, especially you go to your gym bros, I hit a plateau. Yeah. And they, they think that something in this crazy mythical world stopped them from getting any stronger because they are whatever they've hit their peak. But really, it's because I think people focus so much on your primary movers and so little on the assisted cast, right? right, right. It's like any big business. The CEO's job's important, but it don't work without everyone else below it doing their job well. And so when you focus on the way joints move, when you focus on the smaller muscles, what happens is you get stronger automatically. Um, years ago, I was training this one young man. He was in football powerlifting. He was in the powerlifting season. He was really trying to get his overall numbers up for the total match you know there's three big lifts up and um we put i think it was like 45 pounds on his bench press and in like less than a month and this is a kid who's been powerlifting his whole high school career and all we did was we um we took kettlebells on a bar yeah with the, um with bands. the little ankle bands yeah, yeah. and had him do slow reps and his stabilizers just got so strong his weight just went up on just so fast like within a month's time it was absolutely crazy and it's not that he got stronger it's that he filled in the gaps he filled the holes in of his, of his strength yeah that's that's an interesting thing because um when i've seen people hit plateaus they'll sometimes say uh, let's say they're plateauing on their bench like you you indicated 
Um, so they go through this like grind period. Well, I got to get through my plateau. So they, they, they just keep hitting that weight. They'll add two and a half and two and a half on both sides. And they try to incrementally blast through it. And yeah. a lot of times it doesn't work out well. And what they ended up, up doing is either getting injured or just they just get so fatigued that they have to deload. Yeah. Which deloading is definitely a great way to break a plateau, but it's going to take a lot longer now. So you got to play that patience game. But how come you can't just say, all right, let me back off a little bit on the weight, but let me do some accessory work with some clubs and steel mace. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's hundred percent. it, Right. And then, and then you work and then you go, and then you bust back into it a lot faster Theoretically, of course, as long as it's uh, approached properly and yeah. the athlete actually accepts that. Yeah. Well, they right. have to believe in it. Um, a couple of years ago, one summer, Johnny and I were, we were, you know, doing our little thing, working out. Like, well, we always work out together. And um, we, uh, we were, we decided, you know, that we wanted to try something different. Yeah, I like to experiment with fitness because I learned from it. And so we decided that we maxed out on the first day of the month. And then we didn't touch the barbell or a single kind of bench press for the entire month until the last day of the month. We maxed out again, and my bench went up 15 pounds. Wow. So what did you do? I did push-ups every single day. All I did was push-ups. Slow, slow, just push-ups, a whole bunch of push-ups. And I just wanted to see yeah. what the difference would be. That is very interesting. Everybody knows that a push-up is like one of the best exercises out there. Oh, There's sure. body weight athletes who that's all they do, and they have awesome, well-developed shoulders, chest, and triceps. Yeah, definitely. So that's great. And I think I think the part of the recipe there is you're giving your central nervous system a break. You're mm -hmm. also giving your, your mind a break. You're taking yeah. your mind to say, okay, I'm not going to try to drill through this, this stupid plateau. I'm not going to even bench press. I'm just going to go do push-ups for, for a month. I yep. mean, what a break that is. But you're really tricking your body into operating differently. Yeah. But sometimes that's why I think whenever you provide change into your fitness program, I think you always have it, especially if you've been stuck in one thing for a while, it's always going to pay you off with some results when you make a little change here or there. You know, do I'm you, a big believer. Huh? Go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to ask with your uh, young athletes, or do you have young athletes uh, uh, who also do weightlifting, like powerlifting and stuff? Uh, I, I don't. Well, most uh, I do occasionally, but not very often. Okay. I don't do a lot of football players anymore because of so much of training is about your energy systems when it comes to your sports, right. um, the way your body produces energy. And so your football players, they're, you know, four to six second burst usually and yeah. then they're getting their, their play is over but it's constant frequent four to six second burst whereas if you're training for example like a basketball or soccer player which is a, a bulk of my training um you're constantly jogging sprinting jogging sprinting jumping whatever but you're it's, it's, it's steady movement with quick bursts so it's it's just the body produces uses energy differently for those two activities right. and so i don't try to cross them over because i just don't think i'll get the best and if someone just says, no, I want to do this, I'll definitely do it and they'll definitely get benefits. But if you're trying to really dial in a, an elite athlete to their peak, you really have to start paying attention to the energy system situation as well. Okay, so when you take a soccer player or a basketball player and you're going to train them up with steel clubs mm -hmm. to help them run faster or whatever, yeah. um, you're going to basically be doing this on their off day from their regular training. So that this is more like uh, an 
not active recovery, but it's more they're not doing the thing that they do. And we know that steel clubs is not over the top as far as weight and things like that. Am I am I hitting it close to the mark there? Um, to be honest with you, it really uh, there's a lot of different variables. My most uh, I have most of my training happens in the summertime. I have a lot of high school college athletes, and so because of that, they um, they're gone. You know, a high school athlete is not going to be able to train five, six days a week. But the problem is, is their seasons are long. You know, if you're, if if a kid plays, you know, select soccer, club soccer, they're going to get around three months off in the summer and one month off in the winter. The rest of the time it goes. But so um, on practice days, usually I tend to not have them actually come in too much. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if if it's summertime and they have practice, they might train in the morning, have practice in the evening. I'm fine with that. Um, We don't, I don't, allow the the program itself to focus as much around their practice they're not practicing five six days a week you know they're two times a week and then maybe a game or you know stuff like that and so i um usually my program it starts off at i figure as soon as school lets out or their season lets out we kind of start a thing where we're getting back in the shape to begin with Okay, every athlete loses strength and loses some conditioning throughout a season because you focus on your season more so in your skills. And so we start off with a couple week little thing of we do a a lot more core work, a lot more balance work. We do a lot of mobility. We figure out where's everyone's injuries at right now. Right. Our goal is to get the, the, the muscle dysfunction, the joint dysfunction, um, the pain to move all that away. Um, I used to do a little bit of body work with the muscle scraping, trigger point therapy, stuff like that. I did a lot of the kinesio taping to help athletes out because the hurt athlete can't train. Right. And my goal is always to train them as hard as I can throughout the summertime and get them ready to go off to their season more healthy than they came up to me, like more fit, but also more healthy. Because you're not going to go off to college and get more healthy all of a sudden. It just don't happen. They break you down. Um, I trained some, some professional basketball players from Europe. Um, same exact thing. You know, they get beat up during their season, and then when they have to go back, they really need to be at their peak right there. And so, the first part of the summer is it's just getting back to conditioning. You know, we are um, it's fixing the body, a lot of mobility, a lot of balance, a lot of body weight stuff. I'm also a certified yoga teacher. We do some yoga type stuff. I kind of blended my own thing for that. And then after that point, we get into a much more of a conditioning thing. We do a lot more um, sprints, bouts, you know, depending upon what type of athlete I'm working with. We um, do, you know, runs and stuff like that. And our workouts tend to be a lot more clubs at this point. Um, We go lighter weights. We really get our movement patterns better because every movement we do, we're teaching the nervous system something. We want to make sure we're teaching it well before we start putting a lot of load onto it. These workouts tend to be a lot more circuit-based, a little bit higher heart rate most of the time. Um, after a bit of that, towards the end of the summer, we start adding a lot more weight up in there for the workouts. And then the last stretch of summer, we get back into heavy mobility again and start doing a lot more explosive action. Is there any explosive work you do with the steel mace or, or clubs? Um, yes and no, right? Like, for example, a basic squat, I mean, like a good swipe, I think is somewhat explosive. But we're not going to jump with it or nothing like that. So I don't do as much with that. Um, I, what I like about the about the clubs is um, I, it's so much about control. But I like to have people work on the graceful control of the club because the club's going to try to muscle you around and control you. Right. I like to teach them to, to control the club with grace. 
um, because I think that 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 it's almost like an eccentric you know contraction while they're moving. Yes. I think that contributes to joint stability, which lowers reduces the risk of injuries. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really good stuff. And so, how do most of your athletes come to find out about you and come uh, c- get contact with you to train with you? Um, most of the time, they come through because they got they had an injury. They had to have surgery, and kids that surgery at a young age really freaks parents out. Uh-huh. And then they tend to stay with me after that. Um, most of my athletes, uh, a lot, most of, but a lot of them have had um, just mostly knee injuries, and they wanted to get back healthy before their next season. And then everyone else is just word of mouth around where I live at. They just kind of spread the word. They bring their friends. I go um, one day, so I think this next week, I'm supposed to go talk to, there's a, a like a Pop Warner football team. The, um, their club wants me to work with them. I'm probably going to start working with my daughter's soccer club in the fall. Um, just stuff like that. Oh, well, that that's great. I mean, you're getting most of your business word of mouth. That means people are saying good things about you. Oh, yeah. So that's I, I really, this is something I truly, truly love. Like my, I studied computer information systems in college. Um, I was a personal banker, private wealth management for Wells Fargo for a while. I hated it so much. When I got into fitness, I just absolutely fell in love with helping people. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. So that's, that's important too. I mean, you know, and I guess, you know, uh, some people, uh, they have trainers that maybe aren't as in love with it as you are. And that, that probably shows. So it's good to find people that actually love what they do. You know? Absolutely. So now originally when you first started, uh, saying how you got into steel club and steel mace, you said you had a shoulder injury and then did you rehab your shoulder with the steel mace or was it part of a rehab package that you were running or? It will, um, when I first have, when I first heard it, it was a long time ago. I never heard about steel mace or steel clubs. And so um, I had a friend that was a, um, he's a phenomenal chiropractor and he got it where um, I could mostly use it again. Yeah. Uh, I went to a Rossi for a couple treatments, got it back, you know, got my arm back. And, um, and I got pretty functional, but just for, you know, years, I just had always had, I'd have problems that would hinder me. Um, and so then I, when I decided to, you know, figure something out, it's when I found the steel mace. And at that point, it's basically, it was kind of like a well post therapy, I guess you could say. But um, I got into it because, yes, I wanted to fix my shoulder problems. That's, you're not the first one to say that you're not the first one to do it. I, I never had a shoulder injury. I just got into it, but I've noticed over the past years of, of swinging yeah. that my shoulders have really just gotten remarkably better. Yeah. And I didn't even have an injury. Like it, like my, I, my shoulders are awesome, man. Like they feel yeah. good all the time. And, um, you know, I work on the fire department and I, sometimes you do stupid things when you're working, you know, you don't notice, especially when you're tight or stiff. And yeah. I've, I've never gotten a bad injury, knock on wood. Um, and, and really like the, the shoulder health of it is, you know, we're at like 150 something episodes with this podcast. And I, we always talk about shoulders all the time. Yeah. You, you've probably watched a few and, and that's like one of my pet peeves because, um, do people sometimes say to you, Hey, um, Greg, that looks like you're going to blow up your shoulders. Yeah. When people yeah. first see, that's what they say. But then I, I'm really good at explaining stuff down to a pretty good detail. And I just, I tell people, you know, it's, if you don't do something special for your shoulder, 
as you age, you will have shoulder problems, period. I mean, Special. like, yes. How many, if you think about it, like, I forget what percentage, but a massive percentage of elderly people in this country after a certain age get that frozen shoulder thing. Yeah. And this to me is just one of the most amazing ways to prevent that from happening. I mean, as you know, what's way better than rehabbing something is preventing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Way better. Yeah, yeah, I see it, too. I see, um, you know, guys, middle-aged guys, they'll, they'll say, yeah, well, my shoulders are kind of messed up. And then I'll just ask them, like, well, what, you know, what have you been doing your whole life? You know, bench pressing. Yeah. Bench pressing that incorrectly. Will, that will really mess you up, too. I mean, a bad bench press will really mess you up. You know, you people don't realize that. No, I know. And I don't know if they're just um, doubling down. Like, well, maybe I've got to bench press more. I, I don't know. But – like any type of uh, pressing exercise, you're, you're putting those compressive forces in. And if you already have what an impingement or something already, you, you're just going to make it worse. Right. So yeah. you, you, you called it something special for your shoulders besides, besides steel mason clubs, which is definitely special. Um, is there anything else out there that's you would consider special is yoga special? Um, I mean, I love yoga. I think that yoga can have a benefit. When I started doing yoga, all the rest of my workouts, even my running became better. Um, but wow. when it comes to shoulder health, um, I'm a big, because yoga, it incorporates your breath and your core so much. And having having your breath, when you learn to breathe better, you automatically are going to perform better. When your core is stronger uh, and your joints move better, automatically you're going to squat better. You're going to run better because you, I think you get the, you, you know, we get these little bound up points in our body. And when we, you know, when we start to release these bound up points, it allows our body to move seamlessly and not fight against itself. But one thing I like to do for my shoulders also, and I like to just hang, just oh, okay. grab onto a bar and just let, just let myself drop down and hang. I mean, I'm a pretty big dude right now. I'm six, five, about two sixty five. Yeah, wow. And so hanging's a lot, but um, I think that that helps the shoulders a lot as well. That helps stretch the lats out and even some of the tight where the pec gets up in the pec minor right there. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference in all that stuff. Yeah. So would you recommend hanging and stretching for um, as a warm up exercise before you swing a mace or use a steel club? Um, I honestly do. I, I don't know. I, I tend to hang afterwards mostly, but I think hanging before would do good. I do a lot of the uh, the tack fit mobility stuff for my warmups. Okay. And um, there's I do a couple different warmups I do, but like I do this, I call it my, my business, my uh, my training business is called Morph Performance Systems, uh, M-O-R-P-H, like change. Um, and I have my own little warmup I've been doing for a very long time that I've learned from other things along the way. I put stuff together. But also since my yoga background and my tack fit background, I just kind of put their stuff together. And um, before I, when I go through, I start off with my neck and I just work my way down. I get my shoulders, my elbows, my wrists, my hands, um, get the spine, get the hips, the knees, the ankles. Like I, I kind of go through everything like that before I start working out. So I, I usually spend at least 30 minutes or so warming up. Um, I'm 46. I don't want to hurt myself anymore. Yeah, I don't want to out. yeah I, I do epic warm-ups now. Yep. <laughs> it's like insane. Like, like, like a one hour workout, I feel like 45 minutes I'm warming up for. I mean, it's, it's, you know, scaling yeah. up, it's scaling it up, mm -hmm. but like, I mean, I used to go right into like, say barbell squats and, and now, uh, I might be doing, um, like, uh, 
step ups and and kettlebell squats uh, as as a warm up. Yeah. Of course, I'm fatiguing myself, so I can't go as heavy on the squat. But I mean, as you get older, it just feels like you're really beating yourself up more for getting yeah. less results. I actually like to use the mace for warm-ups for squats and deadlifts. Yeah, yes, right. Because I, I believe strongly in activating your upper T-spine right. to get those muscles engaged and moving, get the shoulders well, because you're holding the weight somehow or another. And so if I'm going to do that, I, I always like to do something upper body first, like something that pulls. And so doing 360s is one of my favorite ways to really wake those muscles up and get them active before I start squatting or deadlifting. Yeah, I love that. Do you do you ever um, do a set of squats and deadlifts, and then in between do some swings? Do you ever? Do um, I have. I sometimes I have before. I don't do that as much anymore. Um, I kind of stopped doing that and started focusing more on lower body mobility. Still, like yeah. I'll do a set of squats. I'll get down and do some shin boxes back and forth. Maybe press up to extend the hips a little bit. So okay. I started focusing more on that right there because I you know my um. My squat, because of my since my back injury, I've always been limited in how deep I can go in a squat. Plus, I have very long levers. I'm six five. Yeah. You know, so it's like just trying to have long legs, and so trying to get all that there. You know, I've always struggled with squats, even at lighter weights. And then when I started doing the tack fit, and then a lot of the shit box actions, even beyond what yoga did, it got me deeper into a more proper squat. And so yeah. I tend to do a lot of that stuff in between my squats to keep everything flowing and moving and ready for the next set. So are you, are you saying you notice a difference, though? If you don't do the shin boxes and everything, do you notice your next set is not as optimal? Um, yes. I feel, I, feel like if, I feel like if I keep doing the shin boxes, each set will get better and better as opposed to being about the same. Okay. And as far as um, fatigue is concerned, do you, do you detect any fatigue from doing shin boxes? Does that have to oh. – none, right? No, that's okay. to me. To me, it's very therapeutic. But I spend a lot of time in it because when I was trying to you know, get my hip and my back to stop hurting, that was the one thing that I discovered was that I felt was making the biggest difference. And so, like I would, you know, like I would go to my gym to train. And what I used to do when my athletes would come in is I would sit down on the floor in a shin box and have them come in because everyone has messed up hips. Like you, it's yeah. so hard to find someone who does not, especially if you get past that school age. Because if we take kids. And when their body's hitting their biggest growth and development spurt, we sit them in a desk and say, don't get up unless you have to. Right. So they spend all day with short hips, long hip flexor or short hip flexor or uh, short hip flexors, short hamstrings, long glutes. And it throws the balance off and it causes anterior pelvic tilt, the lower back problems, performance problems, increased risk of knee injury. And so when my athletes first come in, we would always sit in a circle and we would sit in shin boxes and we would talk and we just sit there, Right occasionally flip to the other side, sit there and talk. It has started helping improve people's hip mobility, hip health, knee health, and stuff like that. That's so fantastic. To, to me, the shin box is one of the greatest inventions. Okay. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, and a lot of people in the steel mace community, you see them doing them and everything. Um, and uh, what about, like, things like animal flow or anything like that? Do you do that? I really actually, I, I do. Um, I, I've, I've been doing what I call my old school animal movements, your frog, your crab, your bear, stuff like yeah. that. 
uh, inchworm for many, many years. And then when I started getting into the, this other stuff, the more unconventional, I guess, training we would call it, uh, I started to discover more about the animal flow. And then as I got into yoga, I really learned how to like link stuff together well. And I really enjoyed that. I actually make all my athletes do animal flow. I think it's a, it's a substantial benefit to your training because it teaches your body to control itself and move in time and space. And that's what a lot of people, you, you, you gain awareness. Yeah. But is it an awareness uh, different than what you would experience training with yoga? Um, uh, yes and no. I, I think um, in yoga, to me, the, the, your, your transitions are a lot more, um, in general, a lot more linear to it. Whereas animal flow, it seems to take you a lot more, away from those linear lines you know what i mean in my experience right so would you like, say that they complement each other like a, a, it would be good to for a yoga practitioner to do animal flow so that way you could jumble that up a little bit absolutely absolutely that's fantastic i i, I when i when i started first started doing yoga um, i fell in love with it i dove into a five six mornings a week <laughs> like i was going every day to uh, this place up in austin when i was living in austin and I noticed that the different, like there's all these different teachers and at the studio, the studio gave the teacher liberty to train how they wanted to, which was just amazing. And so in going through that, I noticed that I, um, I kind of gravitated to the, uh, to the trainers or the yoga teachers who had a more broad fitness um, experience, who, who weren't just yoga teachers. You know, I liked the more intense yoga, but when uh, the ones who had more fun transitions those were the ones I gravitated to. Okay. Yeah. Because of the, uh, the mental aspect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also getting your body from here to there with yeah. control and smoothly, that is really, you really build strength that way. Yeah. yeah. So what about steel mace flow? I'm not, I, I I've taken, um, one of Leo seminars. I've taken, um, uh, Harvard, you know, uh, the flowing Dutchman, I think it is. Oh yeah, flowing Dutchman. Yeah, I've taken yeah. Uh, he, uh, I've taken um, Leo Savage's seminar one time at Strength Camp in Austin. Yeah, and um, I had Harvard. I let him utilize my gym for his seminar in Austin. Also, and went to that one. I'm not much of a flow guy. It's my brain just doesn't work for like that. Like I don't know with the mace in my hand. I just want to get. I want to swing it. I want to do this, that, the other, move it around. But I just don't get into the flow. Yeah. But when I'm Doing my yoga stuff, I flow. It's just it's very different to me. I'm glad I asked. That's very insightful because yeah. I mean I encounter yoga people and workout people, and I just figure a, a yoga person would take to steel mace like nothing because of the similarity of 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 the transitioning flow movements. But yeah. you're saying having the mace in the hand may not necessarily mean anything in that, in that regard just it, throw, uh, it, can, yeah. it can throw a person off uh, uh, it definitely does for me i yeah. lose my i think i lose my imagination with it where i'm doing when i'm doing like an animal flow or like a yoga type thing or just my little concoction of the two together yeah when i'm starting to do that it just like my i know where to go to right but when i have a base on my hand like I, I just want to repeat the same thing over and over again and go to the next exercise. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I like, I like that too. I love doing reps and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and most of the people I train, they don't, they, they don't want to have to think too much. They like to just yeah. be told, do this. You show them one thing. They, they don't want to process all that. 
the yeah. cerebral aspect of it. Individuals that want to train that way are, are unique, I think. You know, most people yeah. just, they want to lose weight and feel good, and that's it. I, I respect it. I, I think that it's an awesome modality of working out. It's definitely very challenging to get your body in these positions with the control and stuff like that. But it's just something like, even like, even with like, you see the kettlebell flow people, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really do that either. Like, yeah. that's just not something that my, I, my, I just don't gravitate to it. Uh, now I can relate because I won't do kettlebell flow. Yeah. <laughs> now I get what you're saying. Okay. I get it now. Yeah. That's, it's that's just awesome. not for, it's not something for me, but you put me on the ground and I'm going to sit there and find myself in four or five different positions, just goofing off because yeah. that's, it, it's, it's just so, I, I don't know. I can't explain that one. It is what it is. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Everybody's got a different angle or operation or whatever. Absolutely. So, Greg, we got about a minute left. So um, just recap for us how people can get in touch with you. What's the best way okay. for people to reach out? Um, on Instagram, I have a couple different accounts I run. My primary one is the underground athlete, um, the one you mentioned earlier. Um, that's my personal account. I put my own workouts and I put, you know, just what I do. I like to garden also. I'm, you know, big into that. Um, and then I have the um, Morph Performance Systems. It's just one big word, Morph Performance Systems. It has this logo on the front. That's my logo. And that's my business where I, I show more of my other types of training that I do up on there. And then sometimes I have another one I call Training Unconventionally, which I just like to show unconventional style exercises on that one. Um, Eventually, I was hoping to start a podcast with that one, but since, you know, we've been kind of hectic lately, I haven't had a chance to really, I, I want to get down and do it, but I haven't had a chance to really dedicate myself to it at the time, so I'm just holding off, but those, right. are the, those are the ways to contact me, uh, but my primary two accounts are the Morph Performance Systems and the Underground Athlete. 